Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All I can think of is six, Raj. That's it. That's the only fucking number I can think of that's, at the moment. It's three times six is 18. Christ, it was written in the stars. It's our fault. Yeah. I'm sorry, number Tottenham. Number of the beast. Sorry, Tottenham fans. Oh. Let's hope it's not... Imagine 666. That'd be awful if we lost 6-0 to United. And then who have we got after United? I don't even want to know. That would be awful. 666. No. No. But doom and gloom, is it? Raj Baines, over to you. No, it's not that bad, is it really? I mean, well, yeah. the result itself is. Oh, the result itself is is abysmal. Um, <laughs> I mean, if if you couldn't laugh, you'd cry. Um, but I cried. The <laughs> in the wider context of things, um, it's not the end of the world. Do you take much from what Jose Mourinho said in that it's better to lose six nil once than lose one nil six times? Um, statistically, yeah. I mean, um, losing six games is, is much worse than that. Um, obviously, it's a massive dent on our goal difference and, and what have you, but we were never going to be really competing directly with City this season anyway. Well, I'm trying to make excuses, but um, I mean, if uh, the thing that disappoints, disappoints us more than the scoreline is the fact that the performance was so abject I think it comes down to the fact that we conceded so early. I think really from from fifteen seconds in or thirteen or whatever it was that we we conceded, that was that was pretty much it. I mean, had we held on a little bit longer, had we grown into the game or what have you, it might have been a bit of a better account of ourselves. But I mean when you when you concede that early and and everything goes to shit so quickly, um it's not the best day. We never saw it coming, eh? Jesus Christ. Hey, there we go. Aren't we comedy geniuses? Um, no. Right. Now, we can't avoid this. Uh, I, I, I've been called out by a gentleman this week because I had a little dig. Not a di- No, it wasn't a dig. It was a, con- a piece of constructive criticism towards the Spurs show, which I found extraordinarily negative this week. I don't. I don't listen to it. I mean, that's that's not me <laughs> saying anything about it. I, I I don't like have that much time in my spare time to to be listening to to many shows. Um, I listen to Fighting Cock, and that's about it. But what, why? What was what's so wrong with it? This the special essentially the the majority of the panel were just AVB's time is up. It's 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 time for him to go. 
you look at the sentiment on Twitter. There's a there's a lot of Spurs fans whose opinion I actually respect, um, who are now starting to say this is the first time I've been behind him, but this is the first time that I actually think he's not right for the job. And I think it would be I think it would be very naive to now think that a result such as that six nil hasn't put his job at risk. I think there's there's obviously there's a lot of hatchet jobs. The vultures circling in the press. Whether you think it's the right thing or not, to say no, that's ridiculous. Levy wouldn't get rid is quite naive. I think a, a, a result such as that, certain other things that surround his position, the way he's had a kind of a go at the fans, the fact that he seems to be losing quite a few of the fans. Um, alleged things that are going on between players. It's not looking great for Andre Villas-Boas at the moment. Um, I, I mean, think... it, was similar, it was similar this time last season, though. I, mean, we I, the... I, I don't agree. I, don't, I honestly don't agree. We had all the players in turmoil-type stuff in the press. Um, we had a few bad results at home. Um, we had a few losses at a bad period um, just before Christmas and, and just uh, in a similar sort of period of the season. And... I mean, we've had fans that have, have never taken to him who were against him before he had the job. We've had people in the press that were against him before he took the job. Um, I don't think that's a massive sea change. I just think they've got an excuse now to um, to almost legitimise their their viewpoint. I think they're they're almost celebratory in the fact that they've now got a um, a leg to stand on. Whereas when we were actually doing better, they were um, they were rightly proven wrong. No, I mean, for for me, what the difference is, and I, I I do take that, and this is something I was thinking about, but for me, the difference is the fact that the first time around, there wasn't the issue with Ben Moraso Okoto. There wasn't the issue with Emmanuel Adebayor. There wasn't the issue with Moussa Dembele, who's been talking to the press about the fact he's not liking the way in which we play football. He's not liking the way in which he's been utilised, at least, in the system. There wasn't, uh, for my money from my opinion an unacceptably huffy Jan Vertonghen playing at left back um and more more over than that I think around the first time the press were really out for Andre Villas-Boas he had the fans he had the majority of the fans he had a lot of fans there at the ground who were singing AVB's Blue and White Army people that really genuinely wanted him to succeed and thought that he was going to succeed. Um, You look at Twitter, it doesn't make for great reading, but also just being in the stadium, there is a lot of tension now. There are a lot of people starting to question him and I don't think he had that pressure before. In my opinion, (laughs) losing 6-0 isn't good. I wasn't at the game. I can't say that I spent the money going to Manchester. I didn't pay for a ticket. I didn't pay for a train ticket to go out there. I understand if people are pissed off with that result. That's not for me to say what type of fan gets pissed off with that. Any type of fan gets pissed off with a 6-0 result. That's, that, that isn't even in question. But at the same time, I think you just have to, at this time, have the clarity of whether or not you like what AVB is doing, whether you like the system that he's employing, whether you like him as a person even, whether you like his signings, whether you like how he's handled the new signings, you just have to see this as 
what are we going to do? Like at this point in the season, what is sacking him actually going to do? We're, we're going to bring in someone like Tim Sherwood, who has openly been disdainful of the club on many an occasion. I don't even know how Tim Sherwood still has a job at Spurs. It's been almost 90% proven that the guy was the mole that's been saying stuff around the time of AVB's first blip with the press, that Tim Sherwood has been a very divisive figure behind the scenes. We're going to have someone like that take over the team, which is akin to plea a few years back. We're going to have someone guide us through to the end of the season that's maybe going to finish us sixth or seventh. Why bother doing that? Why bother having a manager that we've put all this money behind and talk about, yeah, all right, it's bail money, it's this, it's that, whatever. He's been entrusted with £100 million to spend. We've given him that money because he said to Levy, he's convinced Levy, I am someone, I know what I want, I know how to make this team successful, I know how to make this team a league-winning side. And Levy has given him £100 million to spend. Now, sacking him at this point in the season, at the first sign of trouble, and when we say trouble, get some context. Like, we're, what is it, two points away from fourth place now? Yep. The performances haven't been that convincing, yes. But look at Arsenal two years ago. And I hate to use them as an example, but look at Arsenal two seasons ago. They were scraping teams. They were putting in these workman-like performances. It was 1-0 to the Arsenal game. I was one of the fucking Spurs fans taking the piss out of them, scraping these 1-0 wins of these negative performances, of these you know, squads that didn't have a particularly outstanding standout player. We, we, we scoffed at them when we had Bale scoring this and they were saying, oh, Walcott's actually better. We just, we laughed at it. We saw it as a joke. The fact that they managed to finish above us when we had a 13-point lead on them, we didn't look at as their success. We looked at that as our failing. And that, that's a pertinent point to raise for anyone that says that Redknapp is someone that is missing. Redknapp is a, is a manager for me that took a side that, that honestly could have challenged for the title, that could have taken that team and pushed for the title and completely bottomed out. He completely lost his bottle that season and, and just capitulated. Now, when you look at where Arsenal were and look at where they are now, this is a team that now they seem to have adopted to the system, which isn't that dissimilar from what Andre Villas has Boas is trying to do at Tottenham. They've, it looks like they've they've had the players, they've moulded them into the system that Wenger wants them to play in. And now, on top of that, they can they can add this swagger, they can add this individual flair. And I, I get, I completely understand the argument. I'm as bored as the next person. I'm, I am watching these performances. And I don't think Andrew Villas-Boas is completely infallible. Like tonight, Tromso. He took our entire first team again, and that is something that I do think he needs to address. I, 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 I can't, I can't stand by him doing things like that. And there are other things like, you know, dropping Lamella after that incredible performance against Sheriff. Whatever the opposition is, he dropped Lamella when he could have gone into that next Premier League team with a great momentum, great amount of belief behind his own ability and really done something, yet he dropped him. And I think that was badly done by Andrew Villas-Boas. To put him in to start him on the left against Manchester City, I, I, I can't understand that. But at the same time, overall, I think people neglect the fact that it's not just the fact we've brought in seven players. Seven players 
who have come from outside of the Premier League for a start. Bringing in seven players in any in any respect is going to be tough, getting them all to gel. But players that are not only trying to gel with one another, but are trying to adapt to a new league as footballers and as people, trying to adapt to a new country. It's, it's a big change and there's a lot going on. We've lost Gareth Bale. But really, like, what, what are we going to achieve? What, what is going to be achieved by getting rid of Andre Villas-Boas, bringing in a new manager, having to have a complete overhaul of a backroom stuff, having to have a complete overhaul of a, of a coaching method, of having to have a complete overhaul of a transfer policy. Again, like we're just going to get caught in this cycle. We bring in someone like Laudrup. He, he steadies the ship as Redknapp did before and makes us push all the way to the end of the season. We finish sixth. Next year pushes us for fourth. After that, then we start to fall by the wayside again. And then what does Levy do? Realises that someone like Brian Laudrup isn't a manager that's going to win us the league, sacks him and brings in another continental manager who, as we saw with Ramos and as we're now seeing with AVB, people just don't have the patience for. And Ramos, I agree, it, it was a disaster. And I don't think it's in any way comparable to what's going on with AVB. But I just think... We just need to have patience. We really do. And I, I don't have an agenda. I don't have this long-standing belief that AVB is this messiah, that he's this amazing guy that's definitely going to win as the league. But I just think you just need to have a bit of belief that what he is building is a foundation that for as bad as it looks now, just look at teams around us. Look at look at people like Manchester United. They're, they're going through this transition with David Moyes. Like, would you honestly really, really want David Moyes instead of Andre Villas-Boas right now? I, I, I don't know. Sorry, I've gone on a massive rant there, but I, I feel quite impassioned about the subject. It's something that every Spurs fan should feel impassioned about. And they do. I, I don't know, Raj. Take it away from me. Stop me, stop me from <laughs> no, I, I, There should have been some sort of orchestral music behind that. It was um it was quite rousing. Did you stand up to say it? I mean I didn't. I, mean, I was uh, gonna have we... a Westlife moment and stand up like <laughs> off my stool mid mid uh... stand up for the key change. I was I was um no, I agreed with most of that. I, I mean I think the essence of it is that it was never gonna happen overnight. I think there's there's obviously been concerns about the, the manner of football we've been playing all season, which has now just been uh, highlighted to a, another level by the fact that we've been had our asses handed to us in in no uncertain manner away against Manchester City. Um, but uh, as I say, it's it's still a work in progress. There's no better option um, in currently working in the Premier League for us, or or even abroad. Somebody who's going to who's guaranteed to come in and 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 improve us overnight in the in the manner that some people want. Um, I think it's. It, it, I think the, the the attitude at the club is indicative of of wanting immediate success. I think the the ability to to look at the long term and wait for success is something that's. It's not only Tottenham fans that, well, not all Tottenham fans. It's not only that some Tottenham fans um, lack the ability to to have a have a long sighted view of the the game. Um, it's it's it's. It's across all forms, across all sides, and across all fans and all forms of sport that people um, people don't like losing. But um, I can't see that there's, there's no need for change at the moment. Um, he he's on a three year contract. There's no reason to 
sack him 18 months into that. Um, and I think I've, I've said this all before, it's all similar things that we've said when we've lost earlier on in the season. We're actually, if you look at corresponding fixtures, um, I mean, performances aside, just purely statistically, corresponding fixtures, we're, we're actually better off than we have been last season. And given that last season was our record points tally ever in the Premier League, if we're actually performing better than that and and amassing more points, if we break our record points total again, there's not really much more you can ask for. I mean, it's the league entirely this season is unpredictable from from Manchester United who are going to talk to, to, to next with their change of management after so long. I mean, to just illustrate how big their change is, I wasn't born... Um, the, when when Fergie took over at Manchester United, this is the first season in in my lifetime that they've had a different manager. That's how how big a sea change has been there. Um, it's it's a smaller change at us, but we're much further back in our development. Um, we don't have the sort of money to be able to spend a hundred million every season. This is the first season we've done it. If you look at Manchester City, for example, the, the first year they had an injection of money, we beat them to fourth place. They finished fifth. Um, the season afterwards, they they only finished third. Um, it took them a few years to bed in their new players with a manager, Mancini, who looked over it. And it doesn't happen overnight, no matter how much money you spend, no matter who you bring in. I mean, look at the, look at the players and the class that they brought in. They, it still didn't happen for them overnight. It, it took them a while to, to become that side and, and a side that can beat people 6-0 at home. And it's it's still going to be a, a little while for us until we're anywhere near that. And I think that's that's some obviously isn't easy to take. Um, isn't obviously isn't you know the most heartwarming thing that you have to wait. But you know we've we've waited long enough. Is what's what more is a couple more seasons of, of sustained growth. Um, yeah. Is the way I look at it. Moreover than not, one of the things that we're really losing sight of, but we've just got to remember, is we're all fans of the same team. And I know this sounds happy clappy. I know it's wishy washy, but ultimately, there's a lot of there's a lot of people I speak to on Twitter. There's a lot of Spurs fans that I speak to that I honestly think I hate you. When I see them talking, I think I fucking hate you. And I think at times like this, that's magnified. And the most important thing to not lose sight of is. When all is said and done, at least for those 90 minutes when we're all in the same stadium, no matter what you say and what you do, barring you know if you've had some kind of Ian Watkins-esque indiscretion, you're still a Spurs fan. And if we score against the Arsenal and I'm standing next to you, I'm going to give you a big fucking bear hug. So let's just stop all the fucking fighting and all the bitching, at least while we're in the stadium and just get behind the fucking side because this this Sunday we're really going to need it. We're really going to need everyone full voice, really behind the team. Whether you support Andre Villas-Boas or not, you support Tottenham Hotspur. So leave your fucking lungs in the stands. Be there, sing for the side because we need every bit of support we get at the moment. Um, and we give it. We've, we've sold out our away allocation in Tromso because that's it because we are a special breed of fans. We are fucking brilliant. I don't care. I know the atmosphere has been on the decline in White Hart Lane, but we are still one of the finest sets of supporters in the land. And I'm proud to be a Tottenham fan for that reason. No matter if I disagree with you, if you think AVB should be sacked or not. If you go to White Hart Lane, if you go to the away fixtures, sing your heart out, you know, 
that's what makes you as a Spurs fan. It's not your opinion on our statistics. It's not this, it's not that. So, you know, let's just remember that. Anyway, I'm getting a bit too Dawson's Creek on this whole thing. So You're gonna make me cry. I know, I know, but let's 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 go to the let's go to the main event. So yeah, thank you for joining us this evening, Dale. Um, so, we, like I say, we are speaking to Dale of Stretty News. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about your site, Dale? Yeah, it's Manchester United blog. It's been around three years now. It just covers basically news, opinion, historic stories. Um, it's going well at the moment. You know, it's loads of followers on Twitter. We're touching on 26,000 now, so make sure you give us a follow. Uh, you've almost got as many as Royal the Roost. I think, what are we on now, Raj? We're on about... We're about 400 now, aren't we? Yeah, 400 or something like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, you know, you, you can aspire. You can aspire <laughs> to hit our, our lofty heights, Dale. But, yeah, being a United blogger, that must be uh, that must be quite boring, sort of talking about winning everything all the time, surely? Well, we might see a bit of a change now, but Fergie gone, you never know. But there's always something. There's always something out that, you know, there's always some controversial stories you can cover and... You get to take the piss out of some Liverpool fans and City fans and Chelsea fans, and that's always good fun too, you know. I think we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that because we usually start the pod by saying, "How was your summer?" Um, and it has been probably in the past twenty odd years the biggest summer United have ever had. Um, Sir Alex is gone. Where where do we begin? What are you what are your thoughts? Yeah, it was like, not only Strax Ferguson went, but you're talking summer, you're talking business too. And um, David Gill obviously left as well. We announced his leave before Ferguson did. Um, and I'd say that was one, one of the reasons that Ferguson decided to pack it in. He obviously had a very close relationship with Gill. And as even though the fans, like myself, were not that big fans of Gill because of obvious reasons with the debt and how he said the debt was the road to ruin and that, automatically changed when the Glazers took over. He was a very good businessman. I think we really saw that with his with him gone during the summer when Ed Woodward came in. See, Ed Woodward's job at United before was to, to work on ways to the club to make money, um, especially from sponsorships. And his job at him automatically, or all of a sudden, turned to, to spending money. And you could see he struggled at that. We only really met one signing, Fellaini. And um, it was a bit of a disaster, not because Fellaini maybe not worth the price tag, but because we missed out on the date for his transfer clause, um, which I think was 26 or 23 million. Instead, we waited too long and paid 27 million, which, you know, it makes no sense. It was a, it was a panic buy, you know, realistically. Um, you should, if you really want a player, you get him when he's on his transfer uh, clause date. You know, you, you don't wait till final minute transfer a deadline of, day. Of and course, throw fucking throw silly money at at Everton. I tell you, but before because we we will talk about Fellaini a little bit more. But just to to take it back to Sir Alex, I mean, your initial concerns is it? That's it. That's because I think pretty much the world and his wife has taken it upon themselves to think Sir Alex has gone, that's it, you know, United's kind of era as the top dog in in Britain and one of the top teams in Europe is probably going to start to fade now. Um, I mean, is that, is that been your concern at all? Because I, I would say just from a completely neutral perspective, David Moyes really isn't the most inspiring replacement. 
No, well, you know, I can see where you're coming from, but I don't think we're going to fade away. I think we're going to have some rough patches. Um, but United is a club that has suffered worse in the past, and we've always bounced back. Um, it's just a club like Manchester United, it's different to the club Ferguson took over the 80s. It's a world beater now. It's a massive, massive brand. It's a football club that you can go anywhere across the world and mention. You can have a conversation with anybody. Everybody knows Manchester United is. It, they won't fade away in the way that it won't be successful anymore. It might take a few years to win, you know, to be really competing in Europe again and to be winning Premier League at the Premier League. That's going to take time. It's a new manager. He's won nothing really before. Um, either way, too, he was not my initial choice to take over. Um but he's got the job now. Get on with it. Get behind him. And um, Fergie's gone now. And Fergie had a major say in in who, su- who succeeded him. He gave the job to Moyes. He's seen attributes in Moyes that he, he obviously said, "Look, this guy can take United to the next step." He's seen bits in him. It's not. It, well, he didn't. Just, he didn't just say, "Oh, I had a nice cup of tea with Moyes a few years ago." He seems a nice lad. You know, it doesn't work like that. He obviously seen the thing in Moyes and probably said, look, this guy will take United to the next step. Of course, I mean, does it does it concern you at all, though? Because one of the big things that's leveraged against Moyes is that he's got a loser's mentality. Um, and that's obviously a polar opposite to Ferguson, who yeah. at times, I mean, I, I personally think that because you're Man United, because you're constantly in the spotlight, a lot of your players do get, underrated in a bizarre fashion I think Mm. for example someone like Nani is a player that attracts a lot of vitriol and yeah Mm. his performances maybe aren't always of the highest caliber but at the same time you take Nani out of Man United you stick him in Aston Villa Everton even Spurs people people would be saying when's this lad going to get signed by United City yeah Yeah, absolutely absolutely I've rate Nani very highly and I can absolutely agree with you. There are people out there trying to make a scapegoat of him. Um, Nani on his day, I think the thing with players like Nani, he needs to run the team. In his final season under Ferguson, he didn't get that. And what happened then was he started playing in games. Didn't play too well. So people put the entire blame on him. It made no sense. But Nani on his day is world class. I, I generally believe that. I think he's a superb player. Uh, I think Mike's given him the five-year contract. Said a lot. Because I don't think Ferguson would have given it to him. Of course, uh, but at, at the same time, though, the point I was trying to make is that there's there's been quite a few times when, say, for example, last year when you won the league and arguably on paper you didn't have the best team. However, a lot of people would argue that it was because of Ferguson, because of his influence, it dragged you over, the, not dragged you over the finishing line because you won it actually quite comfortably, the league. Um, but he he gave you that additional push that maybe now you're not going to have with Moyes. But it is it is going to fall back onto the talent of the players you have at your disposal? And then when you do go and compare that to, I hate to say it, I'm sorry to say this to you, but to Manchester City, who obviously have that endless pit of money, who arguably have the best squad in world football, really. Mm, yeah, but the, the thing is, too, I think I, I've seen it really this season, Smiles took over. The Ferguson covered so many flaws in this current Manchester United team. And we always thought that when, um, when Ferguson did leave, that he'd leave a really strong squad for the next manager. And I don't think he's really done that. I think the squad is a good squad, 
But I would have hoped that he would have left the better squad. I'm not blaming the man, but it's it's not. I wouldn't say it's an ideal situation for David Moyes. I think he needs perhaps four or five players um, to really, you know, to really have a go at it. I think the players he has now is the squad capable of winning the league. No doubt about that. Did it last year. Um, you know, City ran run into some problems with injuries from company, and um, but when when company's injured, it's one player. All of a sudden, they, they seem to be dropping points left, right, and centre, and their away form is is atrocious. Shame so, their shame their home form isn't quite as bad though, really. <laughs> Coming from a Spurs yeah. perspective, of course. Yeah, but you see, the thing is, if their squad is the best squad in the world or whatever. It's not to say that, just just to interject, it's not to say that I think they're the best footballing side. I don't, by any means. But I just mean, we're talking championship, well, football manager now, you know, scope. They are on paper the best, I would probably say best squad, I don't know. But if if they are the best squad, right, and one player is injured, you should have covered for that player. They don't for company. One company's injured, someone else comes in and they're leaking goals. It makes such a difference. Whereas I think United defensively, I think people can criticise about it, whatever. But we lose Village. Two years ago, we lost the league over that. But now we have some young players that have progressed Johnny Evans, Chris Mullen, Phil Jones, that are ready to take the roles from Rio and Village. I think defensively, we've more backup than City. Um, full back, left back, I think Everest, after getting a bit better than what he was two years ago. At right back, Sabalet has absolutely quality, but so was Rafael da Silva, who's at injured at the moment. I think there's there's very between those two. Um, when City lose company, I'm telling you, that's when they really, really struggle. And I don't think the squad is as good people make it out to be. I think defensively, once they get a few inches here and there, they will struggle. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's a fair argument. I mean. Raj, from from your perspective, just as an outsider, um, what would you say you've noted tactically, if you have anything at all, has been the biggest difference or is likely to be the biggest difference between Ferguson United and Moyes United? Um, I think the thing with with Ferguson is he, he always got the best out of his players purely because of the reputation he had and that he'd earned himself. There was almost an extra 10 20% that that side would have by having him in charge that would see that they'd score late goals and he'd make positive changes and, and things like that. He, he almost had an aura around him which didn't wasn't conducive with losing us all. However, what we're used to seeing from David Myers, especially his 10 years at Everton, is he's a very reactive manager, whereas Ferguson was more proactive. So Ferguson would... Take, would pick 11 players no matter who they were and his aim would be to win every match he played however David Myers especially at Everton as I say his his outlook was to <coughs> decide um, in a more reactive manner to the people he was playing against and he'd pick his side in order not to lose rather than to win um, and I think that's the slight mentality difference between the two of them He he's a, he's a manager that would be much happier to not lose a match than to out expressively go out and try and chase it and win it. Um, so I think that's that's the major difference. Mm. It is a role at Manchester United, especially after Sir Alex Ferguson's been there for so long, that he's going to have to grow into because Everton, as um, it's a historical club, they are they're, they're not on the same scale as Manchester United. Nobody in in England is, uh, quite frankly. Um, 
they're, they're the biggest club we've got in in this country. Well, they're, they're I believe they're the biggest sporting brand in the world now, aren't they? Bigger than the New York, New York Yankees. That sounds about right. To be honest, they're they're absolutely massive. Um, I don't think that can be understated whatsoever. Um, so if it, it takes him a little bit of time to to get used to the role and and adopt in that manner. Um, I don't think that'll be any issue whatsoever. I think the reason he was appointed was for the lo- the longevity of it. I don't think if they if they picked a, a, a Mourinho type manager, he'd have been there for the for the amount of time that they'd want him to have been. Um, I think that they're almost trying to ape what Ferguson achieved by being at the club for so long with somebody like Moyes, who proved that he can he can play a decade at, at the same place. Um, but. It, Ultimately, they are they are weaker for not having Ferguson, but it's there's no no reason to think that Moyes can't grow into that role in a similar in a manage in a, in a manner. <coughs> I guess it's in a manner that Fergie did. It's much the same as saying now at the moment that Spurs are. Well, no, it's, it's I'm just talking shit, really. I was going to say it's much the same as Spurs saying we're we're weaker without Bale, but that's yeah, that's probably a different argument entirely. Yeah, I think with, with playing staff, um, replacing playing staff is something, um, especially at United, that they've never really struggled with until this summer. Um, I mean, if you think about all the players, they've, the big players they've lost down the line for either playing reasons or personality reasons, they've always managed to replace them. I mean, if you look at it... Um, look at where Chris- they let Beckham go and they had fucking Cristiano Ronaldo just Yeah, and then so. when Cristiano Ronaldo left, they... They bought Antonio Valencia, who's hardly world beater, but they, oh they still won the league afterwards. Well, he'd still walk into Spurs' side, in my opinion, but probably. Um, I mean, what? Actually, that, that's an interesting point talking about Gareth Bale. Actually, as I just said, then I don't know why. Um, but with Gareth Bale, did you hear much <laughs> there, Dale, about your alleged kind of eleventh-hour bid for him, which? was apparently bigger than Real Madrid's. I didn't hear about that, but I do know there was definitely a contact. United um, during the summer were sussing Spurs out. Um, I think it got to the stage mid-summer that um, United felt that Rooney would actually end up leaving, that he'd end up planning a transfer request and start throwing his ties about. Um, And I think, from what I heard, that United were interested in offering... Spurs Rooney plus money for Bale. I think what ruined that offer was that Rooney would not go to Spurs for the for the simple reason of no European football. Um, he was definitely open to move to Chelsea though because of that reason, and to work with Jose Mourinho. He wanted Mourinho at United. I tell you uh, what, mate, I would have I would have fucking loved Wayne Rooney at Tottenham. We wouldn't have been able to afford his wages. That's that's. <laughs> I, I think we would have been able to afford his wages, but it's just more would we pay. You know, two hundred odd grand to play because it would smash no, that's, our. So that's the other much. thing, you know, wages. Like, obviously, that's that's something discussed later down the line. But Spurs were definitely open to the idea. Why wouldn't they be? Um, United de- definitely wanted Gareth Bale though. But then I got to, if it was just money, Daniel Levy wouldn't wouldn't give in because he would have wanted like the Rooney to come down. He didn't want Bale going anywhere. In um in England, and uh, as far as I know as well, Gareth Bale wasn't too open to going anywhere else in England. He likes he lo- he loved Spurs. He liked the area he was living in. Um, even though there was there was whispers of United move and whispers of moves elsewhere around England, he wasn't interested. The only club he wanted to go to, if he was if he if he was to stay at Spurs, he wouldn't really mind. If he was to leave, it would be no club in England. He made that 
he made that clear. It's Real Madrid were the only club he wanted to leave for. Which I think, you know, to be honest with you, with football nowadays, it says a lot. You know, Spurs, no offence, they're not the biggest club in England, but Gareth Bale was, still had to kind of, he was thankful to the way that, what they had done for him. And also you got to remember that he rejected a move to United, Arsenal, to go to Spurs in the first place because he thought that his football, he'd have more of a chance of playing more first-team football at Spurs than elsewhere when he was younger. I think one of, one of the big things we'd always heard um, about the Bale transfer as well is that Levy spent a considerable amount of time talking to Bale's family as well, whereas I think quite a few of the other teams hadn't done that. that and that, that really struck a chord of Bale because he is that very that homely lad. But we can talk about him forever, but he's gone. Although he scored a fucking blinding free kick last night. Um, yeah. Talking about Rooney, now, he seems to be a player like... Honest to God, like I, I refute vehemently whenever I see anyone say Wayne Rooney is overrated. Just in respect of like the years I've been going to Spurs, I will, honest to God, say to you, Wayne Rooney is possibly one of the best footballers I've ever seen in a live football game. Like the the amount that that lad works, the space he he just seems to find constantly. And I, I don't know. I just, I just think he's an. I think he's a phenomenal footballer. Um, I, I saw. I can't remember who it was the other day. Um, a United blog. No, I was listening to Rantcast the other day. Actually, the United mm. blog, yeah. uh, the United podcast, and they were saying how a lot of Rooney's criticism comes from the fact that when he was at Everton and in his early years at United, he was this mercurial attacker. He was this, you know, go-getting flair player that was always you know <laughs> hovering around the box and scoring goals for fun and as he's gotten older he's he's become more of a workman like player but still seems to score a lot of goals however the fact that he does operate in a deeper position now than when he used to makes people say oh he's lost it he's not as good as he used to be but i think for anyone that really studies his performances he's still one of your best players. Like, he's absolutely oh, yeah. incredible. But um, it, it's, he seems to be a player, just from what I see, the general internet sentiment, at least, seems to be that he's a player that very much polarises opinion amongst United fans. Yeah, I'd be fairly outspoken towards Rooney. Um, as a player, I can't fault him. I think he's exceptional. I think he's just, he's amazing. He's one, he's one of the best players I've seen, like, definitely, without a shadow of a doubt. Um... But when you look at him when he was younger and look at the player you would have thought he would have become, I don't think he's developed as he should have. I, don't, I think he should be a better player today than what he is. I think it's his his lifestyle might have took a toll. Um, all, the, all, the, all the granny shagging. Alleged granny shagging, sorry, I should say. I think his lifestyle had a, had, a, had a role in not developing the way he should have, but that doesn't take away the fact, as you said, he's an unbelievable footballer. He works his socks off every week. Um, the only problem is when he's played in midfield, he seems angry, quote-unquote, angry and confused. Um, this nowadays, I mean, he's, uh, he's generally one of those, whichever position he gets played in, isn't he? The thing is, though, nowadays, footballers are allowed to tell managers where to, where to, where to, where to play him. 
makes no sense to me. Um, it's just certain things that really that really really bug me. It started off in 2010 when um, he wanted to move to City. Obviously, the, the money was being weighed in the air, and he was getting um, advice from Paul Strafford, his agent. And then he obviously stayed. He's under a contract, and he wrote a book and said he'd never make a mistake again. But in the summer. We had Paul Strafford sending editorials or whatever he was doing, speaking to journalists and telling them what to write, that Rooney's this and Rooney's that. Do you know, really fucking making a clusterfuck out of it and just, just making it messy for the club to deal with and Rooney was unhappy. Do you know, Rooney was paid big, big... He's been paid big, big money at the biggest club in England. If he didn't go about things the way he has, it was agent didn't. We could be looking at a player that we could be all idolising as Manchester United fans. Do you know the kind of he, he has that thing about them when he gets in the ball in, in the final third, you expect something special to happen. And there's not many players you can say that about. You can say that about Eric Cantona, Cristiano Ronaldo, those type of players, Georgie Best, obviously. But because of the way he's acted down the years, he's totally ruined that image. Um, I think to to a lesser example, um, one of, well, your your countryman at, at Spurs, Robbie Keane, uh, he was yeah. he was going to go down in the history books as a as a genuine Tottenham legend. You know, he seemed to live and breathe Spurs, and it was after he had that nomadic early career, he found himself at Spurs, <laughs> and the the fans like absolutely loved him. Like he was one of those players. Yeah, he, he, you could see it on the pitch. He gave 100, 120% every single game. Every yeah. time we won something, he celebrated like a fan. Just look at when we won the League Cup. Yeah, it's the League Cup. It's still a trophy for me, <laughs> but it's one of the minor trophies. But just winning that, it looked like he he just won the World Cup. You know, he was he was so delighted. And then just the way in which he conducted himself around the Liverpool transfer... It just sullied it. It completely sullied it, and it's it's it, 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 it almost feels knee jerk. But it was just it was a complete betrayal. And I think when you look at someone like Rooney, and for the fact he was like courting your your greatest rival, a club that, in my opinion, are no bigger than Stoke City. I honestly, honest to God, um, they're stoked with money for me, Manchester City, and <laughs> and to to kind of to 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 court them in the way in which you did. I can understand that that would that would agree, fan. So, I mean, could could you see him going to anywhere else in England? Is it going to be that he's going to eventually end up going to somewhere abroad? Because I don't know how well he would he would fit another stuff. I mean, could you see him playing abroad, Raj? Um. When he was younger, if he had gone abroad, I think it would have actually been better for his career. Purely because, um, as, as was touched on, his lifestyle isn't appropriate for a professional athlete. Um, when it's summertime, he, he goes on holiday, and as most players do, but most players still try and look after themselves somewhat. Where <coughs> he'll, he'll do similar to what Ricky Hatton used to do between fights, where he'd, just, he'd binge drink, binge eat, smoke wouldn't do any sort of exercise whatsoever and completely let himself go to a point where his body shape would, would look more like a darts player than a footballer by the end of the summer. And he'd, he'd suffer at the start of the season because of it. <laughs> a darts it, player, it, I like that. Sorry, mate, I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne the power Rooney. 
He, he looks like that, though. That's that's the sort of lifestyle he's, he, he was living. He, With one like, of those big droopy forearms as he goes to throw a dart. Like. Well, yeah, that's that's what he used to... He wasn't in... You know how athletic and how fit footballers look whenever they, they take their shirt off after a game or whatever? They, their body fat percentage is tiny. I think I've got more fat on my small toe than most footballers have on their entire body. They're, they're fantastic <laughs> specimens, but he, he doesn't live that lifestyle. I think... If you look at somebody like Ryan Giggs, who has the longevity, longevity of now, he's 40 years old or he's about <laughs> to turn 40 years old. Wayne Rooney will never be able to play at the top level at that age, purely because he's he's not conditioned himself as well. You see, um, the, other, the other one to look at, and sorry to interrupt, is um, both of them were young and United together was Ronaldo and Rooney. And um, both of them look really, really promising. They both to be world beaters. Um we could really see, especially today, which one worked harder, which one took their football more seriously, took their lifestyle more seriously. Because it's not just I know Ronaldo probably is way more he's way more gifted, obviously, but you can really see between them which one put their head to it, which one looked after their lifestyle and put you know more fucking effort into what we were going to lead on to. So oh. Ronaldo Ronaldo and Rooney I'm not talking their football ability right now. I'm talking professionalism. There's a clear winner. I mean, honest to God, though, going back to that, I, I don't want to sound like a blinkered eye uh, Englishman, but I don't, when you're talking like raw potential as youngsters, I don't know how much of a difference there was between Cristiano Ronaldo and Rooney. Oh, Obviously, oh, they're no. very different oh, footballers. but Absolutely. When they, were young, when they were young, there was very little, little between, that, um, between them. Rooney... When he was younger, and Ronaldo was younger, I'd say Rooney was possibly a more mature footballer. Ronaldo was, you know, he was trying too much. Remember the the, the final against um, Millwall? He did things they all pulled off, but then he tried to do things in other games. These countless step overs, and he's ended up sometimes falling over his legs. But he learned, you know. He footballers when that age, you know, we see it with Zaha now trying constantly distant that it doesn't work but they they get that they knocked that out of the system but then once he did knock that he just completely overtook Rooney Rooney's lifestyle as I keep mentioning totally tilted him off and he should be a better player than what he is today and I think as Raj touched on his um the longevity of Ryan Giggs Rooney won't be in touch and distance of that not open and not, not not with the way he's con- constructed his career and it, you know it's a shame because he should be as I keep saying much better and um, he's totally I wouldn't say thrown it away because he's still a fantastic footballer but he should be able we'll see in his early 30s that he'll probably have to retire quicker than most players it's over, over shagging with gigs though isn't it he's good at, he's good at shagging but um, moving swiftly on um, Zahar speaking about Zahar is, is he and speaking of shaggers, I've heard he's he's, he's nobbing David Moyes' daughter, hence oh, why no, he's not it's, getting in. It's a, it's a, it's a Twitter bullshit rumour. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I thrive on Twitter bullshit rumours. Like, he know. starts most of them. Yeah, to be fair. No, no, geez, you can start a rumour about me banging David Moyes' daughter and it, it would spread, but no, it's, it, that's, Does that's she look not anything that. like David Moyes? No, she's quite fit, actually. Am I like, she, she does legal, not look a bit like Alan. With his, big, like with his big cod cod eyes. As I love a Google. Cool. I love a Google. Uh, what's her name? Helen, Helen Moyes, is it? Oh, no. I think it's Lauren Moyes. Lauren Moyes. She's quite fit. She is legal, so I'm not... Bear with me, bear with me. 
Yeah, fair play. No, fair play. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Sorry, carry on. I, I like it though because like the rumor I'd initially heard is like you know you know what Chinese whispers is like. You, mm. you, you hear of David Moyes actually walked in on Zahar shagging his daughter, and then the next one is like Zahar had apparently shagged his daughter, and then so on and so forth. But I think no, I think I got that the wrong way round. But bear it, with me, you know. It's really annoying the film that rumor because um, Sarah Kensko was a young lad, a, a Fergie sign, Fergie's last sign, and obviously came when Moyes came, and. Um, he wasn't getting. He hasn't really been getting much game time. People expect him to get in a bit more. People seem to fucking they expect too much. You know, he's only a young lad and he's still still progressing and developing. And I've watched him a fair bit, and yeah, I don't think he should be getting any more game time than the one he's getting because he has a lot to learn. He doesn't show that he's worthy of more game time. He, you know, he's very young still. And people, when they made that rumour, they tried to make it out that, oh, he's not playing these games because he's banging Miles' daughter. And that really wasn't the case. And then you have people that believe everything they read. And that they, they keep saying that. And that'll just overshadow him as a footballer. And it, say if, if he doesn't make it and Miles sells him, he's going to leave the club with that hanging over his head, even though it's total and utter bollocks. You know? Mm. I mean, so is it his attitude then, I'm assuming? Because there must be a reason, because Zahar was quite clearly the best player in the championship last year. And, yeah. And I know, I know there is a very big step up between the you know, the championship and the premiership, but the fact he hasn't figured at all for you is surely indicative of the fact that something bigger than just his ability being in question. I think it I comes know. down to the, the manager... Um, as I touched on before with the, the mentality of both managers, Fergie was, was somebody who was happy to blood youth and to have attacking flair, whereas uh, Moise is somebody who's a lot more conservative in that manner, which is why <clears throat> sorry, which is why uh, uh, Everton players like Barkley never never saw the light of day as much as they have done under a much more attacking manager oh, such yeah. as Martinez. He's, um, I, I don't think he's somebody that especially with coming into the, a club as big, it's a risk playing a, a, such a young player who's who's likely going to take a little while to settle in. Um, no, I, I, I don't necessarily agree with that because he's come in and he's really introduced Adnan Yanez, I said, see. If you look at Grass Barkley, I think it was Leeds he was with last year. He wasn't starting with Leeds either. You know, he came back and, as I mentioned, players' development. Young players, they, can, they develop at different times are they huge? You know, Barclays come back from Leeds and apparently all of a sudden he just really, really, you know, improved, developed and now he's getting started. So I tell you, he looks like a proper player, doesn't he? Little he right does. Right and he's, he's got the physique too. He looks really demanding and big. But if you look at Fergie then, two years ago, do you know, we lost um, Ravel Morrison due to behaviour issues. Uh, Ravel Morrison's a fantastic footballer. Um, and we also we also lost Paul Pogba. Well, a massive one. Who I watched two, two or three weeks ago against Real Madrid, and he absolutely busted. Like he was playing against players like Yavi Alonso. You know, this is a guy that was in our youth three years ago, won the FAU Cup with us um, three years ago. Do you know? What about PK as well? You used to have PK. Did did you actually lose him or did you fuck him off? PK, you see, PK, he looked really, really good. Um, 
and then he, he he didn't get the game time he expected and he came out recently and said the main reason he left United was because of homesickness he missed Spain um, which is fair enough um, but I, I, I don't agree with the thing about Moyes not putting fate into youngsters he did he, he, he gave you know, it was a risk throwing Yanazai in some of the games that he did. Now he was lucky that Yanazai was the player just that took it with both hands. You know, got important. He's got a few important goals already and assists. And I was at the game against Stoke, and um, we obviously came back in that game. But he took Nani off, and brought on Yanazai, and we were behind at the time. And the second Yanazai just came on, and the whole ground lifted. They were excited with this new youngster. And so the, the, the team lifted as well. Do you know, they looked more upbeat. There was more urgency all of a sudden. Just because of a youngster coming on the pitch. Do you know, it was nothing special. He wasn't, he's not even a world beater yet. And I, do you know, people are going to exaggerate already saying, oh, Yanazai's the greatest thing since slice of pan. But he's not because he hasn't done really anything yet. It's, he's still, it's still very early days. But if a youngster is in our ranks and he proves he's the patience, the right attitude, and proves that he's ready for it. David Moyes will give him a chance. If you know, I think we're absolutely we're waiting for a we'd love a young mid, midfielder, a central midfielder to come through the ranks. Um but there's not quite ready yet. If there Perhaps was it's not um it's not his age and maybe it's the the fact that he's more of a, an unpredictable flyer player because he's not playing Kagawa either. And Kagawa's a player who's fantastic at Borussia Dortmund and he he'd fit into your system in terms of playing a number ten, and that sort of that midfielder you've been you've been looking for and, and lacking to to add a bit of creativity in the side <laughs> is something he'd he'd be ideal to do. Um, and he's it's been quite a, a reported thing that he's he's been <coughs> missing so often. So why do you think Moyes is, is less willing to play Kagawa when um, the side could could possibly do with him? I think Kagawa is a sticky situation in the way that I wrote about it last night. Um, he played in the number 10 role against Leverkusen. Absolutely superb. But the reason he played in that role was because Robin Van Persie is now injured. And with him playing number 10, Rooney got to play as the, as the main striker. Now, when Van Persie comes back into the team, with the form Rooney's in, do you sacrifice him? Kagawa's got a, a pl- plenty of um, of game time this season and to prove what he's worth but he's played on the left and that's a waste of space not only is it a waste of space because he's played out of position he's not comfortable there but when you play him on the left we're lacking a winger because he's not a winger do you know we've mo- we've less wit um, what do you do do you know Moyes now in a situation after the way Kagawa performed last night who do I who do I sacrifice I can't sacrifice Rooney because he's in unbelievable form um, Robin van Persie's not in the best perform, but he's 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 still scoring goals. So do you know what? What do you do? Do you, you can't drop van Persie. You can't really drop Rooney either. So who do you drop? I suppose so. I just out of interest, there, Dale, because it's something that you know. I'm sure because you, you don't live in a cave, you'll see that AVB Andre Vierge Boash is a manager who's very much under the spotlight at the moment and. He doesn't so much as polarise, polarise, polarise Spurs fans as much as he does chuck a hand grenade into a confined space amongst Spurs fans. It's, I don't even know where to begin, but. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. How, how is the fans' perception towards Moyes? Is it a case of he's not good enough? Like, has it been 10 games in? Right, <laughs> he's not good enough. He's never going to be good enough. Get rid. Get in Jurgen Klopp. Get in Pep Guardiola. That, that kind of thing. Because... Genuinely speaking, that's what it's like being a Spurs fan at the moment. You have Spurs fans saying, let's get in Jurgen Klopp. Let's get in Pep Guardiola. Like, either of those people would want to manage Spurs at the moment. You know? I, again, different kettle of fish, you're Man United. But you see my point. The, the thing is, I, I was hearing those kind of tweets and those kind of people saying, my zero after four or five games. Never mind him. Um do you know, Moyes, as I mentioned already in the podcast, he, was, he wasn't my initial choice. Um, two years ago, if you told me that he's going to replace Ferguson, I probably would have kicked up a fuss. I didn't want him anywhere near the job. But I've warned the idea when he got the job. And, I, you know, I'm behind him now. I think he's going to do quite well in the position. Um, but people, it's quite split. You've got complete fuckwits that um, are waiting Every single weekend, every match day, to complain about them, complain about this and that. Um, you then you've got people, and you've got me on this, on this, on this, on this list. Um, that will criticise them, constructive criticism, but will support them nonetheless. It's not ideal at the minute. There's a few things that bug me about tactically the way Dave Moyes setting up. I think at times it's been overly negative, but. He is chopping and changing tactics and systems and formations. He is changing things because he's. This is a transitional period. He's still, I, let, let me I, put it to you this way: If you didn't finish top four, would you want him out? No, no. Do you know? But if if we didn't finish top four, where are you talking? Fifth, sixth? I don't think we're going to finish below that anyway. Um, I think after one season. Unless he does dramatically bad, and we're talking tent, ten plays. No, you don't sack a manager because. I mean, do you think? I, do you think the border on 
on this kind of even kill as well. I think they realise it's going to be a big change losing Ferguson. For example, you know, you're a very well-established brand. I don't think really finishing outside of the top four is going to have the same ramifications for you as, say, Spurs who continually don't get top four, who when we are in the top four, it makes a massive difference for us as a team. I mean, we've seen it with, uh, I hate to say it, I hate to give them any kind of credit because I hate them, but Liverpool, they've spent the past three, four years being absolutely toilet, yet really in terms of as a brand, it hasn't harmed them globally. Yeah, it it hasn't, but the main thing was going to harm us if we we want to get in the top four, the ownership and the Glades would definitely kick up a fuss for the TV rights to play in the Champions League. You know, massive money we get from that, even if we don't win it. We get to the quarterfinals and we get knocked out there. We will make a similar amount in the winners because you know, you, you know, TV rights money we make is just massive. It is huge, and the Glazers with the debt and the interest and the bond shares and all that fucking rubbish. Um, they wouldn't be happy with it. There's no way it's them that kick up the fuss. But I think it was um, Raj that mentioned that or was it yourself that he got the job with the sense he's going to be there a long time. And the Glazers were made aware of that. That that's the reason he get the job. Now, if they sack him after one year, that's it's it's, it's not going to happen. He won't get sacked this year or, or the end of the season. I think he should be given. In this day and age, Club Manchester United are in two years at least. I'd give them three. Um, depends on how the two years go. I would expect an improvement next season if we barely finish top four because I think a major reason why we're kind of struggling is the backing he did not receive during the summer. It's, it's got to come good though, man. Like I've always had such a soft spot for United. In mainly in the respect that you stopped Arsenal and you stopped Chelsea and all these other scummy, horrible teams from winning the league so many times. You've been that. <laughs> you've been almost that team that you know. I, I, I even think that, generally speaking, aside for, there's been the odd moment. There's been the Pedro Mendes goal, which you know I'm not going to let you off the hook for that one. Right, no. we was robbed. We was robbed. But that goal aside, you know, I've, there's always been a good atmosphere. Even when we've been getting tumped by you lot at the White Hart Lane, there's generally been a fairly good atmosphere between Spurs and United fans. Out, you know, there's yeah. banter, there's that kind of thing. But we seem to have a decent enough affinity. You speak yeah. to most Spurs fans, they quite like United. Um, mainly because most United fans probably come from London anyway. Sorry, I had to, I had to check it in. Sorry, right. Um, but it, it, it's like, it, it's almost like, it's like watching at the moment seeing like you not having Ferguson and the thought of you maybe not being up there challenging for the title. It's almost like seeing your dad getting like beaten up or at least mugged off in a pub or something like that. It's like, it's this institution. This is Manchester United. Like you're supposed to be up there. You're always up there. What, what's going on? You know, but I mean, what, 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 what would you say for you just personally speaking and just put it into the scope of, Try and take your, your your hope, your hope hat, if they exist, your hope hat off and just look at it through cold, steely, pragmatic, mm. pragmatic eyes. What can you see United achieving this season? Well, I said at the start of the season that I'd like um, a good run in the FA Cup, hopefully get to the final and win it because we haven't won it in so long. Um, 
then I, I, I think we're going to get a good run in Europe. I think we've been really, really solid in Europe this season. Uh, I'm not saying we're going to win it. I don't think we have the team to win our the, the quality. But I think we'll do well in Europe. I think we could get to the quarterfinals or semis. Uh, in the league, I can see us finishing third behind Chelsea and City. Um, there's a lot of Irish fans that will be pissed off with that. I think Arsenal are going to probably fall in a few weeks or a few months. I, I think this is the same story with Arsenal. Yeah, every season they get to this stage where they're doing so well and they're playing brilliantly. And I know they have the addition of Ozil, but it always ends in fucking tears, doesn't it? You know, they, they, they get so far. to the end with tears with last year or something or the year before? Under Redknapp, you got so many points ahead of them against Arsenal. You know, it happens a lot between... Spurs and Arsenal, but the difference is Arsenal have a big, big fucking melt, big melt about them, and they make fucking a big song and dance over Everton. No, look at us, look at us, and then when it all crashing on top of them, you don't hear a word of it. Didn't they celebrate fourth place last year? Um, yeah. We see, I can see him crashing. I can see Arsenal crashing. Well, you, get- you're talking our language, right? Because I'm having horrible thoughts that they're gonna, they're gonna hold on to the end of the season. I, I can't see it. And I think the main thing is, I know that, don't get me wrong, Arsenal are playing superbly since the start of the season. It's been, they've been a joy to watch, whether you hate them or love them, whatever. Um, Ozil is just top class. But what happens if Ozil gets injured? What happens then? They've got the best player in the world in Aaron Ramsey, don't they? <laughs> well, to be, honest, to be honest, I like Ramsey. I think Ramsey's very good. I think there's been a... I don't think in the last few years people have been criticising him and this and that. Wenger was wrong and he's shit and this and that. I think the problem was was um, it was all in the head that the leg break really did affect him. Uh, I think this year he's got it behind him. You can really see it in his game. He's got a real, you know, he's got a real swagger about him. And I think I think he's a fantastic. Yeah. Football. I think I think he'll look absolutely fantastic alongside Yaya Toure next year. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's yeah. <laughs> But no, I reckon we finished third. I'd say, I, I don't think it's as bad as people are making it out to be. I, you know, I, I can see Chelsea winning the lead, though. I'll be honest with you, any side that's got Robin Van Persie and uh, Wayne Rooney up front, that you, you know, you're going to do all right, aren't you? Let's be mm. honest. Yeah. Um, now, here's an interesting one. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on Spurs? Like, what, what, how do you see Spurs at the moment? For, as an outsider, I know we were talking before we started recording it, you're particularly in support of Andre Villas-Boas. Because yeah. uh, a lot of Spurs fans at the moment are lost for words as to apparently how poorly we've performed this year, despite only being two points off the fourth place at the moment. Well, yeah, I don't think he performed too well this season, if I'm being honest, but and I mentioned it before recording, with Villas Boas, he got the financial backing during the summer to bring in all of these players when Gareth Bale was sold. The players he brought in were relatively young, and um, whoever thought they were going to come in in August and automatically gel in a matter of weeks were talking through their arse. Um, it, it, it was always going to take a, a bit of time, you know, how many games are we in? 12 games. And we got Spurs fans um, wanting them out and this and that. It's it's complete madness. Um, I, I don't even know where to start. It, it annoys me when, even with Moyes and people saying Moyes out or, or um, Villas-Boas out. It just, 
it, it makes little sense. It, it, it really sounds as if these people are talking without actually thinking before words are coming out of their mouth. Do you know, football, it, it, it's like Russian roulette at the minute, um, especially at Chelsea. Um, <laughs> do you know, you, you need to give a manager time. Um, Spurs, I, I have respect for Spurs. Um, most of their fans I come across are generally sound. Um, I, 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 I find most Spurs fans I come across are absolute wankers. But yeah, thanks yeah, for being sp- thanks for being magnanimous. You, you, you spend <laughs> you spend more time with them then. Yeah, um, sure. You know, I'm quite su- surprised by their reaction. If I'm honest, I, I, I thought as a Spurs fan, sound and most of them I speak to know a bit about football. You know, um, totally surprised by their reaction. Once in a million, that after what twelve games this season, after the money, young young players they need time to gel. It seems totally pointless giving a manager all that money if we're not going to actually back him when the season starts. You know, Levy or whoever else is in the board that are putting pressure on, which is a few names flying around, need to wake up and smell the coffee because they're sacking him. What does that tell a new manager coming in? You know, even though any manager might come in, it's pressure straight away. Once the, the transfer window comes in, you know, he's, he's going to be wary about spending all this money because he feels that, you know, if these players don't settle in a matter of weeks, not months, weeks, that I'm on the brink. You know, it, it doesn't send out a good image as a football club if you're going to sack your manager up for something like that in that length of time. You know, it, it doesn't send a good image. And I think that... It's the same thing with United, a bit different, because um, United are contracts pretty much many manager in the world, I think. But say you sack Villas Boas, I don't think Spurs are getting Gariola or Jose Mourinho. Do you know, I don't think that level, or Klopp, I, I don't think so. I think, looking at AVB, I think he's a quality manager, he's very young. Do you know, a bit of stability about him. Do you know, keep him for a good few years. There's a reason FC Porto wants him back. He did a great job. Did he win the UEFA Cup with them? Yeah, won yeah. the UEFA Cup, yeah. To be fair, he did have Cavani and Hulk, who scored, I think it was 74 goals between them that season. But... Falcao, oh, not Cavani. Sorry, yeah, same difference. They both got long hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just think, you know, I think it's Matt. What do you think? Where are you sitting on this one? Because, you know, I think you should be getting behind your manager 12 weeks into the season. I know he was there last year, but he's just made those young signings. You've got to give the player, you've got to give the manager time. You have to. It's it's absolutely ridiculous to be as knee-jerk as people expect us to. And another thing, sorry to interrupt this, players should be taking responsibility too. You know, like, the way he set up against Man City, you can have your complaints about that. I've seen some complaints about the way they set up tonight. But if those players did what they were actually asked to do against City, he would not have got slaughtered the way he did. 6-0, was it? How many... I I didn't see the full game, but he he obviously did. And how many goals did City score? Did you see your players actually drop in the head? Did they drop the head at all? Uh, From the off, mate, it was awful. It was horrible. The less said about about 15 seconds in. Yeah. You know, players need to take responsibility. And I'm talking about United this season. I think Moyes has done a few things that I've questioned. But it's not all his fault. Some of the defensive errors Vidic has made uh, and a few other players. 
And you don't see that being made. You know, you don't see that making the press as much as you see, oh, the big kind of let's write minds off and that big circus. It's a circus, I think, at, at Spurs as well with this mountain. I think it's mad. What do you, Raj, what do you think about AVB? Um, I completely agree. I don't think um, there's, there's any room to to um, to want him to leave at this moment in time. He deserves the opportunity to, to get the results. It's not been too bad this season, obviously, in isolation. Losing 6-0 isn't, isn't pretty or clever whatsoever. Um, and it wasn't enjoyable to watch. Neither was tonight, but um, there's, there's several things going on with her at the moment that. that so say to what be... t- tonight? It's not pretty and it's not clever. You're talking about me again, Raj? <laughs> <laughs> it could be, but I was, I was on about but... the, the Tromso game. It's he, he, he's got young players. Uh, the, the some of the more attacking players in our squad, the ones that that have to be making the opportunity, is Lamella and and Ericsson and Holtby. They're 23 and the other two are 21 and. We've got young players all over the park. We've got new players all over the park. We've got a very young manager. Um, it's 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 a work in progress. Um, I don't think the amount of success that people are expecting is naturally um, something that we can achieve. And I think the way that we're going on at the moment is is probably just about right in terms of point. And um, there are games we should have done better in and could do better in, but it'll it'll come in time essentially. I, I tell you um, what, Dow. Here's one for you because in in living memory as a Spurs fan, I've on a you know I've obviously seen us go from being in the nineties <laughs> a very decent side to in the well in the very early nineties being a very decent side to the mid nineties to the early two thousands being. Uh, you know, just completely awful. To now in the past, you know, this renaissance we've had over the past few years where we actually seem to be becoming quite a decent side once again. Yeah. And as a, as a, as a supporter of a team as big as Man United, when, you know, as much as it pains me to say for however many years before, going to somewhere like Spurs away, you're probably thinking, well, we should be winning that really. Do you still see it in the same way? Do you still see Tottenham away as the sort of fixture where, well, really, we should win that? Or is it now very much viewed as a tough fixture? For example, this game, are you seeing this? Are you genuinely, are you rubbing your hands with delight, thinking we're going to get three points here and this is going to you know, get our season back underway? Or do you see this as this is a tough game? I don't think there's any Manchester United fan out there rubbing their hands at the game of the weekend. To be totally honest, you know... Whether even under under Moyes is a bit different, um, and I quite in there's something about going to games under Moyes that I quite enjoy, because I don't I'm not fully sure are we ever gonna win. Do you know what I mean? It's it just it's just something new. Do you know I obviously expect to beat fucking Stoke and that, but it's a bit different. You you, you take wins. You know you don't take them for granted as much anymore, um, and I think with with the results. Last week, we in City. That's going to make it harder because your players have something to prove at the weekend, you know. Um, but even under Ferguson, White Hart Lane, we never went there to rubbing our hands. Never. I don't. I, I'm obviously only a young lad, and I've, I'm following United since I'm a kid, and it's always been Ferguson for me. I don't remember going to White Hart Lane rubbing my hands. It's always been a club that I think we've respected, and that club that you know. They never really give us an easy ride. Obviously, the game we came back a few, good few years ago. Um, that was nice. Remember that one, no? Yeah, the five three. 
Yeah. I, I can't remember that one. But, I mean, uh, <laughs> how, like, from a Spurs fan's perspective, how are we gonna? How are we gonna beat Man United? Because a lot of fans are, and a lot of the media are saying this is the game that is gonna save Andre Villas-Boas's career. I don't think it's. To be honest, I don't think it's as dramatic as that. Yeah, sure enough, we lose four, five, probably even three nil to you. I hate to say it, but I think that Levy's hand might be forced. That's not what I agree with, but. I think just the overall sentiment that could see it. If we get really put to the sword by you, I think that, that could be enough. Okay. But I mean, can, can how how can Spurs get at Man- Manchester United? Like, what are your weaknesses? Just before I touch on the weaknesses, um, just to touch on that, if 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 we beat you and <coughs> Levy's hand might go a bit, can you not see that as being utter mad? It's Manchester. I know I'm a United fan in that, but. Losing to Manchester United is hardly the worst thing in the world, you know, because it's not fucking still Cardiff or Leicester. It's, you know, one of the biggest clubs in the world. You know, I don't think any club... Completely. It's not so much about us losing to you. It's like I'm saying, if it's a 3 4 5 nil, Oh, yeah. An absolute well, walloping. Maybe, maybe. But I think the weakness that I was going to touch on, um, midfield... My feel is a massive worry. Um, I I don't think I think Spurs are really struggling in front of goal. Um, you know I think people have, remember start to see people are making a big fuss about us not scoring in some from open play in so many games. Well, we were still scoring goals, but there's this fuss that oh you can only score from corners or free kicks. Who cares? I don't care as long as the ball is hits the back of the net. Do you know? I think where you're going to struggle at the weekend is the goal score. I know Saldado started the season really well from, well from the spot. Um, I've I've seen a bit of Saldado. I think his all-round play isn't as good as people might have expected. I think he's very, very... I think he's a good striker. Very good on the spot. But um, I think his all-round play needs, need, needs to improve. Um, I think he could have actually got a player that you thought was a lot better than what he actually is. Uh, I think up front you're going to struggle. Um, it depends as well as who we've got in defence. Johnny Evans, and you'd like to think Village might return. Um, if Rio Ferdinand starts, he was awful during during the week. I think he's been struggling this season. If he starts, I think you have a good chance of getting in behind that defence. Um, I just think where else we could be weak. Well, it's midfield mainly for me. I think Spurs have a bunch of midfielders that would nicely or slot in nicely to our team. Um, Sandro is a player I really, really highly. I think he's an absolute beast. Um, who else is there? I think I think Dembele's quality too. I think you got these midfielders. Um, that could easily, easily overrun ours. I think that's what you need to focus on is the midfield, and then take it from there. I think easily if if Michael Carrick's not playing, like you know, you know he's returned from injuries. I don't know if he'd be fit or not. But him not being there and the midfielders he have, that's what I'm really worried about. <coughs> I mean, how can can you see us getting a result, Raj? Um, we need to play at a higher tempo against Manchester United because they're they're able to keep the ball and they're able to to hurt us up the field if we if we allow Rooney and and Van Persie. is Van Persie going to be fit? Do you know? Um, 
He didn't. Moyes didn't say really during the week. He says near return. Um, to be honest, which if he's not, I'd love to see Rooney as a striker. Kagwa played in that number ten role again. Um, so it's I more likely that he'll play Hernandez and Rooney together than <coughs> like a guy we're in the league, isn't it? Why do you think? Uh, I, I, oh, I th- no. Um, Kagwa's played hasn't really like he hasn't been boycotted by any stretch of imagination midfield. He's been played, but he's been played in the left. But I think yeah. after performance during the week and how well he played there and you know, he looked really creative, innovative. You know, they looked like they had a real plan. It was the plan wasn't to sit back and to allow the team attack after we got one or two goals. It was the first game this season that United actually got a goal, got a second goal and kept going for more. And that's what we want. Do you know I, I never understand teams, obviously small teams do it, but I never understand, ever sort of when United went off, got a goal or two and sat back. Do you know, it, it never made sense to me. So I'd go, if, if I'm Percy's out, I wouldn't be overly upset about that. I'd start Kagwa number 10, Rooney as the main striker. Right, well, whichever <coughs> combination United have up front, they've got goals in them. Um, mm. So I'd, we'd need to, to obviously play better defence than we did against uh, Manchester City. I don't think... Michael Dawson should start um, purely because he, he, I mean, not many people have their funerals televised, but against Manchester City, that's pretty much what Michael Dawson had. Um, it was it was awful viewing for him, especially. Um, I mean, the entire team didn't play well, but it was it was it was a painful view for. I'm sure Michael Dawson's probably watched it back, and I'm, I'm sure he's not enjoyed what he's seen either. But um, I'd. I'd I'd suspect that we'd have to um we'd have to control the tempo of the game um and hold possession. Um scoring from open play would be uh, a bonus. Um I, obviously I don't wanna say that it'll be a low scoring affair again after saying the same thing last week and conceding six. So I think it's entirely um dependent on who takes the impetus and obviously Manchester United can do that, but it's it's more it's more our midfield um, deciding that they, they want to, to do that earlier. I think um, Sandra needs to. Sandra will have a, a good game, hopefully. And hope, if Dembele plays next to him, I think we'd probably have a better chance than Polino, who's been slightly off the pace recently, um, which is, is kind of hard to take given the amount of money that's been spent on him and how he actually looked quite dependable at the start of the year. But he's um, he's dropped off a little bit now, so I'd, I'd almost want Dembele and Sandra to start next to each other. But um, in order to beat them, we just have to to play at a higher tempo than them and, and actually want it. I mean, the, the performance last season when we when we drew one all there, I think United scored with their first attack against us, Van Persie header. Yeah. But for the rest of the game, Man United were on the back foot, and it's the the most defensive I've ever seen Sir Alex play <coughs> at, at White Hart Lane, and it. We kept plugging away until the very last moment to get that late equaliser, and and that was David De Gea's um, fucking legs against Gareth Bale. Yeah, the, the, he played really well. That we we should have equalised several times in that game, but it took a very long time for Dempsey to to come and poke one in. So it was um that was a, that was a great performance last season. So anything similar to that, we should be fine. I tell you, Dale, what's uh, what's your prediction score? Alright, I don't really like giving predictions, but I'm going to go for... Um... It's funny, every, everyone says that, everyone who we get on, 
or we'll always say, oh, I, don't, I don't normally do predictions, but... I'm going to go 3-1 United. Okay, okay. Raji boy? Uh, I, uh, I don't know. Last week, last week, somebody picked up on the fact that I said I can't get it. I can't see he's getting spanked, and then we got spanked, so... Oh, fuck them, they're pond life. What's your prediction? I'll go for 1-0 Tottenham. Be happy with that. I'll say 2 all. There you go. 2 all Spurs United. Um, just, just just a question before we wrap up, lads. Um, yeah. It's something we often speak about. I know you had Rob on from Typical City last week, and I spoke, spoke about Tim about it a few about a year ago. Best keeper in the league, right? So, yeah, seeing as it's United and Spurs, we're talking David Day or Hugo Lloris. Um, yeah. Try to check for me. No, 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 I'm talking just, just between these two. Just between these two. Would you take De Gea over Lloris? No. It's entirely dependent on the system. And for ours, no. Because he's a sweeper keeper. Yeah, I think uh, De Gea has never, never really played that role at no. both clubs he's been at. Um, I think as a, as a probably a natural shot stopper. Um, yeah. He's probably um, on par, if not a tiny bit better, in terms of being younger and having that slight ability. Um, he's, he can obviously grow into a much better keeper, but uh, Hugo Lloris is, is probably our most important player um, in the entire team because he, what he does in terms of playing that sweeper role and playing it so well is, is give the rest of the team the ability to, to play in the manner in which the manager wants us to. And I don't think there's anyone else that could do. Um, and he's he's in, extremely important for us to function properly. Uh, so um, as, as good as De Gea is, um, Lloris is perfect for us. I th- I, honestly speaking as well, not even to go into that much down, I'm sorry, so I just I think Hugo Lloris is a superior keeper to De Gea. And I don't often say that about... Uh, Spurs player to a United player, but <laughs> I, I say this with the sincerity of the fact that I think Lloris is probably going to be leaving us for Barcelona or Man City this summer. So, you know. You think there's much in it, though? Really much in it, the way you say it? Uh, well, Lloris is older. He's he's more developed than De Gea. Um, I, just, I just think his general kind of awareness, uh, the way he... Marshall's his defence and just his his overall ability. I I do just think he's a better keeper. Honestly speaking, I do. I'm I, that's not blinkered Spurs fan. I mm-hmm. I honestly think he's a. I just think he's a superior player. But again, I don't think we're going to be holding on to him past this summer. So you know, there you go. Um, I just wanted to to chuck a couple of the list of questions to you because we often do neglect yeah, n- neglect this. Um. I suppose here's an interesting one we haven't really covered because quite a few of them we've actually covered over the course of discussion. But we've had one from Gareth Smith, um, who is at waiting for the seven underscore (laughs) eighteen. Rolls off the tongue. He says, uh, "What's what's the fans' perception of Cleverly? Is he liked? Is he seen as a promising youngster, or is he essentially your version of a Huddlestone stroke Genus?" I spoke about this quite recently. a lot of fans don't really rate him, and I do. I think he's a good player. I think he's a good footballer. He might not turn out to be a Manchester United standard footballer, but he could go away and make a fine career as someone like Everton, maybe. Um, but he could be one of those players that could just develop 
really fast in the next year or so and shock everyone. Um, it's kind of the way Ramsey shocked a lot of people this season. Um, I think cleverly is good. But there is one thing that I have observed in the last year or so is that if you look at him playing, he looks like a footballer that's been... Everything he has, his attributes, has been dragged out of him from coaches. He's learned it all from coaching. And it doesn't seem too doesn't seem too much that he's actually, in a way, the phrase is gifted. If you can understand what I'm trying to say, you know, you look at Adnan Yanazai, for example, and he generally looks like a, a young lad that's gifted. He's a gifted footballer. Um, I think cleverly, he's a good footballer, but he looks like something that was coached out of him. Do you know what I'm kind of saying? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, well, that's interesting. Um, I, I don't know, it's been one for me that's been... I'll be honest, I've probably been quite quick to write him off in the respect that he, he came through, looked very, very good, and then I sort of thought, yeah. well, well, he's going to be look, another Darren Gibson, you know? If you look at what Roberto Martinez said after he had him at Wigan, he said he's, he's, he said he's a serious, serious talent. So these managers often say that, and the fans don't really see it for maybe a few years. But, you know, we don't watch him at training. Um, he could turn out to be the next big thing. Do you know, you, you, it's hard to say. At the minute, he doesn't look. At, at the minute, he looks a good footballer that gets harshly criticised. Um, but at the minute, that's what he is—a good footballer, not exceptional, not rubbish, but a good footballer. Well, there we go. The jury's out. Um, here's here's a good one. We've got one from Chris underscore Spurs <coughs> that says quite simply. What's it like to see your team win the Premier League 20 fucking times? Oh, I'm trying to describe this. Um, does it get out. boring? Do you, like, do you, you know, does the next one you think, yeah, we won the league, cool. Oh, it's fucking, it's marvellous. It's just, it's 20 times after all the years being fucking slagged by Liverpool fans and come back when you won it 18 times and all this stuff. The fact we met at 20. And they're still stuck in 18. Do you know, <laughs> obviously we've really surpassed them down the years. And, do you know, they've really struggled. I know they're doing way better this year, but they've struggled recent years under fucking Dagleish and, and who uh, Benitez in the league. And I think, um, you know, you, can, you don't get bored of those things. You can't, you don't get bored of winning. Um, it's the Premier League. It's the league title. Do you know, it's about... It's what you want. It's the first thing we've set out for every year. No matter how times you win, it is we want to win the league. I remember the year we lost to, to City. And if it was just another league title, we wouldn't give a shit about that. But we really did. And it wasn't just because... Well, I think it was because City had a bit of a factor to it. And the way they won it. But how close were we to winning it? We had, our first, we had one hand on that title. And um, it was just taken away from us, and it was gutting. You know, we really we fought the next year, and we won it back. It never gets boring. Never gets boring. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what does get boring, mate. Finishing fifth. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, but no, uh, thank you very much for giving us your time this evening, Dale. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. No, not to worry, mate. So yeah, that that was interesting, Dale's opinion. Um, it's it's funny speaking to a Man United fan about this kind of thing where when they don't have Alex Ferguson when their squad is when their well not their squad but their season is actually 
in any kind of question that they might not just walk the league again. Um, if it wasn't for our kind of form at the moment, if we had held on to a bail type figure, you'd be looking at this as a figure uh, fixture that we should be winning. But as we said at the top of the show, it's be it for mainly off field reasons, it's become a, a massively important fixture. Not that any home game against Manchester United isn't an important fixture, but you, you get my point. Um, what are we going to do, Raj? Like, do you, is, think, um, being, is he going to stick with his same f- tactics? Is he going to stick with the same formation? Yeah, but I think the the thing to take out of it, and I think the the most prudent point to make, is the result is isn't actually the most important thing on the weekend. I know that seems a strange thing to say after losing the last few games, but it isn't. The most important thing to see is a performance and a reaction. Even if we are to lose two or three nil. As long as the players actually look like they care, look as if they're actually battling for the manager. I mean, in the performances last season where where we won so many games late was because they actually looked like they cared and looked as if they were playing for the manager and there seemed to be a real squad spirit going on. And we need to show an example of that again. I'm I'm not of the opinion that that's something we've lost entirely. Obviously, if if we do come out and it's abject again on the weekend and and they don't seem to have any heart or anything, then obviously there is a a reason to to perhaps look for any sort of deeper problems. Um, The two games after Manchester United are two very winnable ones. I think it's Fulham and and Sunderland, perhaps. They're two games that we should be winning um, with a whole, but I no disrespect to those two teams, but we should be beating them. So, as I but, said, the, the people might say we we should have beaten West Ham at home, though. You know, it's it's yeah, we we should have done. But uh, I mean, that's in the past now. I think looking forwards, they're two teams that we we should be beating um, if we're playing playing properly. I think it's not it's not. Uh, Teams have these sorts of bad runs and these blips and these crises of confidence. And I don't think it's something that's actually too deep within the squad itself. I think there are maybe one or two little issues that need ironing out. And I think that they're nothing new. I think there's something that we've known since perhaps even before the season started that, that might crop up to be an issue. So the fact that they're presenting themselves now is, um, isn't really a surprise. I mean, as I said before, it obviously compounds it much more when when you get beaten six nil. I think that's had we had we just lost the one one nil away at City. I don't think this reaction would have been as bad. I mean, it's easy to say in hindsight, but um, I, I genuinely think that the thing I'm looking for most out of Tottenham on the weekend is is a performance, is, is some sort of showing of, of want and desire and, and some sort of heart. And should we have that, um, then. A, a, a result would be a, a bonus. Um, I think Manchester United, obviously, they're not, they're not, um, they're not the team they once were. They don't have that Alex Ferguson factor, which is something we actually had a number on them last season. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a, it's a prestigious, um, prestigious fixture, as as we've said, they're the, they're the biggest team in the country, and it's it's one that AVB last season twice. Um, really looked forward to and really held in high regard so I would hope that um, that we, we show some sort of fight um, obviously I can't be too positive because I can always come back and bite you in the arse but I'm, I'm still optimistic I'm, I'm not ready to, to give up on anyone I mean as you started the show saying there's, it's, it's, there's no reason for, um, for too much panic when you contextualise everything what do you think? Uh, I... 
I, do you know what, mate? This is, <laughs> you know me. I can I can chat shit for England, but this is just one game that I really don't know what's going to happen. Um, I can see it going either way. I can see this being the kind of catalyst fixture where if the players are worth their salt, if the manager's worth his salt, that they're going to just pull it together. That a, a result like the 6-0 is going to be that catalyst. It's going to be that kick up the arse where they're going to say to themselves, just on a, on a, on a very human level, not even tactically or in a footballing sense, they're just going to think as people, look, we've got to make up for that. We have to make up for that result. We've got to go out there. We've got to give, give a good account of ourselves because it doesn't matter. Like, you know, if you talk about the team, you talk about Tottenham as a whatever, a, a, a club in decline, as a, as a as a joke, as this, as that, as Arsenal fans might like to say. All these players know, all these players know that they were, as individuals, still responsible for this. Um, and I think that, yeah, you might have some players that are career footballers, but they still know that a result like that doesn't look good on their CV. If you to boil it down into a very no, every, I mean, it's everyday a, it's a matter fashion. of pride as well, isn't exactly, it? exactly. Um, I think there are certain players. I don't want to go into it too much, but Jan Vertonghen is one for me, um, especially the last goal. I think could have been avoided were it not for the fact that he was quite clearly in a bit of a bad mood. Um, I understand his frustration to a certain degree about being played as a left back, but do I condone his kind of pissy attitude? Do I condone the fact that every other week he seems to be, uh, every other week is OTT, I admit, twice speaking out to the press. When Jermaine Defoe has been crucified for the same thing, Jan Vertonghen seems to have escaped from that. It's not acceptable by my book. I, I, I do get that he is our best centre-back. Um, but just so happens that, given our shortage, he is pretty much our best left-back at the moment as well. Um And, you know, I'm sorry, Jan, but you have to take these things on the chin. You do it for Belgium. You can do it for us, and I don't know. It's just the way uh, the way I stand on it. For, for me, I hate to say it, and I, I said it during the podcast. But I think if we do end up getting tonked, if we do lose five nil or so to Manchester United, I don't know if Levy will axe AVB straight away, but he's definitely going to be a lot closer to the end. Um, I don't think it's um, as I said. I don't think it's to do with the scoreline. I think even if we lose one nil, and it's abject. I think there there might be questions raised internally. I don't think it, the X will be falling at this point, uh, um, whatever way it goes. But I think if if we were to lose five nil, but it were to be a good performance for us, from given that there's actually some fight and there's and there's, there's actually a better performance from us. I mean, it's not football's a funny game. You can actually play better than what we did against City, and and lose by a large amount. It's just how clinical Manchester United are on the day essentially who takes their chances better but even if we lose 1-0 but it's it's dire and it's abject I think there might be something worth exploring there internally not that I agree with it whatsoever um, but um, yeah I think as I said before it's it's more to do with, with performance and result this week We've uh, I'll just let's get a couple of the questions out of the way we've got one from Ayush um, who's asked who would be happier with a draw to be um, honest, I think both sides would be very happy with a draw. Yeah, I think that's probably the way it could go. Um, 
as as we've said with Moyes, he's, he's a very uh, he sits back. Um, he has done every time he's come to White Hart Lane with Everton as well. Now he's got some actually some decent attacking talent there as well. So yeah, I mean a draw wouldn't be a disaster. It's what we got last season, but um, I think we should be we should be trying to win this one um, or at least wanting to. Well, yeah, you can only hope the players want to win. Um, we've had one from Windy. Wow, we've been touched by a celebrity, Windy Coys, um, who says, what do you think Spurs' strategy will be on Sunday? Park the bus or try to play more expansively? I mean, I think we've kind of spoken about that just now, but just to... I don't think we'll ever park the bus. I don't think we have at any stage this season parked the bus. I don't think we've Manchester intentionally... City. We haven't intentionally parked the bus, but... Probably the way I don't think that's up. our system isn't conducive to that. What the way out in which I uh, interpretation of that phrase is is um, is what Hull did when they came to us and they had a flat yeah. back nine. Yeah. <laughs> um, even even against Manchester City, we were we still had a high line defence and we were still we actually had more possession and we we were had more passes in the opposition's half. So that's that's not parking the bus. That's just it's almost. Uh, Blind ignorance in the face of getting picked off by extremely good forwards. Um, so I'd, um, I don't think we'll park the bus. I think we'll we'll try and play as expansively as we can. Um, we'll want to. Um, I, I think it's. I think Polino doesn't shouldn't really keep his place after his his past few performances. I don't think that's him writing writing off in any sort of way. That's that's a player who's coming to the Premier League from the Brazilian leagues and it's a completely different kettle of fish for him. He he almost seems to play in the Premier League at an international pace, which um, isn't really the correct manner of going going about things Um, because it's a much quicker league. Um, It took Sandro a little while to... To, um, it did. And people you... forget that. People actually forget that. I mean, Sandro actually got his his big breaks in the Champions League, where it's a little bit slower, and then he um, then he kind of grew into the the Premier League. I, that I think. I think with Polinio as well. I think part of it, it's you know, you 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 can imagine this with with any with any player, and you're seeing this almost with Gareth Bale going to Spain, in that Polinio has been one of the best players in the Brazilian league, and has probably thought. Being a young man and being a professional footballer who probably quite full of himself, he's gone abroad and thought, I'm one of the big big dogs from you know from where I come from. I play for one of the best national teams on the face of the planet. I'm one of the greatest players in this league. I'm probably gonna do quite well over here. Um and maybe it's 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 the the sheer ferocity and pace of, of this new league has Given him a, a rude awakening to not only his own ability, um, I, actually I don't think it's about his ability, but I, I certainly think it's about his attitude. Um, and I think he is. I think he is still a player of. I've been I've been critical of him in the past, and I know that, and I hold my hands up to that. Um, but I don't think his ability is what's in question. I do think he's a very gifted footballer. I do just think it's moreover about the fact he needs to work a lot harder. He does need to work a lot harder. And I just think he he doesn't have as much time on the ball as he thinks he does. He needs to think ahead before he receives the ball to, you know, where he's gonna play the ball next. Because it just seems at the moment, between him and Dembele, every time the ball is put through to them, our attacks are stunted, that everything just goes down to a snail's pace. Um, yeah, I think. Um, 
Sorry uh, to interrupt. I think Dembele's no. introduction at, um, at City has, and his performance tonight as well at Tromso, he, he did well tonight, uh, better than he has done at, other, at any other point this season, I think, because he's been playing with a more defensive-minded Kapu. Um, he, um, he, he's, um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, he, um, he, sorry, I'm I'll, I'll, laughing at Kapu's just... Bothered it's, my mind. It, it's our. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I think the point I was trying to make was Dembele should be starting at the weekend, and if he starts with Sandro, uh, lest we forget those two were fantastic together last season, and were um, were a large part of, of why we did so well. So, if we can rekindle that um, on the weekend, that'd be be good to see. Uh, Lewis Holtby. Um, we'll we'll probably start as will um, it's going to be interesting who starts out of Lamella and Townsend um, on the right. Um, Aaron Leno will probably start, and he's got a good record against uh, Patrice Evra, so um, that'll be interesting to see. Um, you, Soldado you, as well played ninety minutes, so do I you think, think as the selection's going to be as we've seen Sorry? against Tromso, we saw Dembele and Holtby almost rotate in that number ten position. Can you do you think that's an indicator that AVB is going to maybe try Dembele in that number ten position against United? Because a lot of people have said that Dembele's underwhelming performances have been as you know a result of the fact that we've played him in a uh, more defensive role than the player we actually signed. Because we forget that he he came over to England as a striker, then yeah. dropped back to play that number ten role for Fulham. And now for us, seems to almost just be a... Well, he, he is just a ball-winning midfielder, really, now. I don't think he, his best performances for Tottenham last season were, were more of a deep-lying um, playmaker than a than a, a ball-winning midfielder. I think when his best performances were last season alongside Sandro, Sandro was winning a lot of the ball. And then he would, he would pass it to Dembele as his, his first receiver. And then Dembele would then... Uh, take the initiative at the at the transition and, and move the ball forwards, um, and I think that's what's been missing this season. I mean, we, we've said it time and time again that Polino and Dembele shouldn't be playing in the same same midfield. I think Sandro's return to fitness will be a a massive bonus, as we've said, uh, especially with with um, Etienne coming back now. Um, that's that'll be that'll be better for when we rotate the squad, so Sandro doesn't have to play as many games. Um, so to go back to, to Windy's point, on, our strategy will be much the same, and I just think in, implementing it is is what it'll be. Um, what the where we where we come unstuck or where we actually win the game. I think them not having Carrick is a huge plus because he could he could dictate the pace of the game away from us. Um, whereas clever has been gassed this season, hasn't he, Carrick? Well, uh, I mean, I think David Moyes may have. Um, done him a disservice by playing him with Maron Fellaini, who's been who's been slow to adapt. I mean, in a similar manner to some of our players have. He's um, he's almost had a similar start of uh, start to his Manchester United career as Polino has for us, in that he he does look slightly off the pace when he when he's played with them. So um, I think um, I think we could, as um, as even the the Man United lad said, we, if we exploit their midfield, we could do well out of it. Um, it's just in, in terms of actually making chances. I mean, one thing, if we just go back to, to Manchester City briefly, one thing that I, I forgot to mention was that at 1-0 down, we should have made it one all um, almost immediately. Eric Lamella had a fantastic chance to uh, to equalise. I think it was Lyon who put the ball in across the box. 
and um, Pantillamon was at the wrong post and Lamella was almost unmarked at the far post coming in off the left and he side-footed it and he side-footed it so badly that it was actually going wide <laughs> whereas if, he, if, he, if he'd just put his, his foot through it he, he would have smashed it in the far post but he, he took it so wrong and so awkwardly um, that he, he didn't score I mean, I don't want to hold it against him too much but that should have been one all. And I mean, even though we'd conceded late, had we equalised equally as quickly, perhaps that would have changed it about a bit. But that's in the past now. But I, I, I just wanted to make that point before I forgot about it completely. But um, as I say, if we if we lose 1-2-0, but give a give an actual uh, a reasonable of account of ourselves, I'll be, um, I'll be reasonably happy. There we go. Um, well, we've had a question from our... Uh friend who I can only say resembles a boiled egg, Ben McAleer. Um, this is quite a nice one to to uh, to end the night on. How much of a wanker is Raj? I don't know. Do you, do you want to fill us in on that one, Raj, first of all? It depends how many pictures his sister sends me, to be honest. <laughs> there we go. Um, I would say that you are a massive wanker, but you're in... Uh, you're in suitable company with me, Raj, and that's that's uh, that's why we get on, ish, wouldn't you say? Yeah, um, I mean, if we were to have a, a gang, we'd probably call ourselves what the the Reach Around Twins or something similar. <laughs> yeah, that was quite nice off the top of your head, so to speak. I th- I, th- I thought it could be something more like the Mass Debaters, but you know, <laughs> the Mass Debaters. Yeah, there that's what we should have called the podcast for all the roofs this shit. It is, I know, and I came up with that as well. Fuck. <laughs> but, you know, I was thinking chickens, you know, other people invading our turf. That that was my thought, but fuck it. No, the, the name's actually quite good. We, Thank we you. shouldn't have called ourselves the Masturbators. We shouldn't have done. It would have been silly. That's um, the porn podcast we make after this one. <laughs> with Ben's sister. Yeah. Um, that's a video podcast. I think that's all we've got time for this evening. So... <laughs> There are, there are, of course, going to be more articles on SpursStatman.com this week. Um, we've got our youth update from Ray. Um, that's the November update coming up soon. Um, you can, of course, follow the SpursStatman account at SpursStatman for all of JP's outpourings. I'm sorry, JP, that I actually questioned your commitment to listening to the pod. I, uh, I stand corrected. I've had my official warning. I know. I was naughty. Um, you can follow the Rule the Roost podcast account and please do because we've we've only got about 400 followers and my ego can't take that um so <laughs> that's at rtrssm you can follow me i don't know why you'd want to but at tetrunk th trunk as in elephant and bainsey here to my right i don't know why i said to my right you might be to my left at baines x i i i um please send any questions that you have for us or for our potential opposition next week, over the course of the week. No one seems to, but we'll prompt you anyway um, to send some questions. And if we don't win on Sunday, it's the end of the world. So sing, please sing, please sing. If you sat in front of your TV, if you listen to it on the radio, if you're just looking to updates on Twitter, just sing. We're all Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Good night.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.